Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Nougabelle podcast, all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have a passion for stories, and this is where some of the best ones get told. This month, I'm talking to some of the most badass women in business in Chattanooga. I'm sitting down with female entrepreneurs from all walks of life to learn about their businesses, how they got started, the challenges they've conquered along the way, and what makes them some of the most badass women in biz. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, a glass of sweet tea, or a nice old-fashioned and join us. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, 15's the limit, they say. Oh my god. On um, the law, on like having pets. And outdoor cats count. So it's like, these are mine! I just feed them to be nice. I didn't know that there was like a limit. Yeah, I wrote it the other day. Because I was going to call animal control. And I was like, no. I was like, let me read if they just kill them. Because I'm not calling if that's what they do. And it said they do. It says a lot of them refuse to come out for cats because they're hard to catch. Ah, yeah. And if they do, it's like 78% get killed. So I was like, no, not animal control. No, definitely not. Yeah. Sorry, I went on a random episode. No, that's okay. (laughs) Um, I like starting episodes with random tangents, actually. (laughs) So to go ahead and kick off um, on this awesome episode of the Nougabelle podcast, for the next installment of my Badass Women in Biz series, I am joined by local comedian Natasha Ferrier. Hello. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. The Chattanooga comedy scene is not something that I'm super like familiar with and that I admittedly do not feature enough. So I'm so excited to talk to you about being one of the like leading women in comedy in Chattanooga. Perfect. And, and the Southeast. <laughs> and that's not your fault. I think the comedy scene, it's grown so much. But I still a lot of people, I tell them all the shows we have, and they're like, really? I had no idea. And there's more popping up. Exactly. I feel like I see a new open mic on Facebook like every week. Open mics especially. It's insane. When I started over five years ago now, there was one mic. So you had one chance to perform for just five minutes. All the new stuff you've written for the last six days. And now we have one on Sunday, one on Monday, two on Tuesdays, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. Oh, wow. So it's great because you can actually write and try out your material seven times in a week instead of just the once, which is how it was when I started, which was very hard for a lot of us as Mm -hmm. comics because you can't refine your material in five minutes when yeah. you have to wait a week to try it again and make it better. Because I feel like practicing on your parents just gets old after a while. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once and they made fun of me and I was like, never again. Not at this Thanksgiving. Fair. Um, I was a performer for a lot of my life too and repetition, practicing, yeah. all that kind of stuff. What so, did you perform? Uh, I did dance for 12 years and I played violin for oh, 12 years Oh, that's awesome. As well. That's so, awesome. My parents fortunately like... They, they liked hearing violin, but, like, other things I can't imagine. I'm glad I picked violin instead of, like, trumpet <laughs> or drums. <laughs> <laughs> Something more soothing, yeah. not as loud in the house. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Remember my sister when we got recorders in elementary school? Yes. Oh, man. All day was just boop, 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 boop. And I was like, like Hot uh. cross buns or whatever it was. <laughs> no, whatever song, right, that every... <laughs> uh, I remember in my middle school orchestra... 
So I started in third grade when I lived in a different state. And then when I moved uh, to Atlanta, they didn't start music until sixth grade in middle school. So I had it like two years kind of in between where I was just kind of doing my own thing. And then in sixth grade, which is like the beginning year, my orchestra teacher had us all practice the Can Can song. Wow. And we had to document ourselves practicing it 50 times. 50 times? So parents of like 150 (laughs) orchestra students had to hear the Can Can a minimum of 50 times. (laughs) That's just torture. I was like, I I played it like 10 times. I looked at my parents. I was like, can I just pretend and say I didn't? (laughs) Yeah, or just take me out of school. Yeah. Just homeschool me. It was, thank God that was the only thing she made us do that way. (laughs) God, I'd be terrible. <laughs> That's awful. I'm so sorry. Like, I think my brother, oh, I should know this. It's the horn. French horn? Or maybe the trumpet. I should know. Is it circular with a big bell? Yeah, well, like it's, the, no, it's the one you pull. Trombone. Trombone, thank you. Yes. <laughs> and that, oh man, he's he's get, he's actually getting good. But yeah. at first I was like, okay, enough. They're like, he wants to show you his new song. I'm like, ah, it's a, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> How old is he? He's 12. Oh, bless. Yeah, so this is when he was like 10. So he's, okay. he's kept up with it. Good for him. Yeah. But. Um, so this is your first time on the podcast. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you end up in Chattanooga if you're not from here? Okay. Um, I grew up in Nashville. Okay. And I ended up at Chattanooga to go to UTC. Okay. I wanted to stay close to home because my younger sister and I are very close. So I want to stay close to her, not go anywhere too far. And it was between UTK and UTC. And okay. I, I got into both and UTK. I was like, this is way too bro-y. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I feel that. And I visited UTC and it was it was just much more quaint. Had like, um, I guess, more of an artsy f- vibe to it. And I was like, I think this fits me more than, you know, frat houses everywhere. Heard. Nothing <laughs> against that. But it just wasn't for me. Right. So I ended up at UTC. And then my sister ended up going to UTC and then we both stayed here longer than planned. Um, and then, though, I started comedy my last year of college. Okay. So that kind of kept me here because after I was in, um, I have an English degree. Me too. Oh, nice. Creative writing. Or yep. li- yeah, same. Creative writing. Yes. <laughs> what was what did you minor in? I double majored. So okay. I did creative writing and public relations. Oh, nice. Yeah, they make you get either double major or minor if you're in English. Okay. Or they did when I went. They were like, you can't just do that. Basically, <laughs> it's like, you probably won't find a job. You should have a backup plan. But Heard. so <laughs> I did that in communications. And so I started stand-up because it was a great way to use my writing. Mm-hmm. And I did theater in high school, but I didn't really want to like minor in that in college because it just would have taken up so much time. Yep. And I was partying a lot, honestly. That I was like, this gets in the way of my party time. <laughs> so I didn't do that. And I was like, oh man, I started going to these stand-up shows. Like I said, it was just once a week, Wednesdays at JJ's. And I went and I watched for probably like a month. I was dating someone who started stand-up, but I hate giving him credit for that. Because I would have, you know, whatever. And he was not nice. So we're going to pretend he wasn't there. (laughs) But that's how I ended up there at first. And then I was like, oh, this is great. So I started going and watching, observing, trying to get an idea of it before I just jumped up there. Um, And then I tried it out and I loved it. I wasn't great. Like, it wasn't like I had an amazing first time. From what I hear, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, some people can do it. But for the most part, it takes a minute to get used to not only being on stage, because I had experience with that, but it's your own script. And it's different than theater, 
where you work with a group. It's also just you. Did you ever have to do like poetry readings or anything? I did in a community college. I okay. Went community co- I went, I moved back to Nashville for a couple years and then ended up back at UTC. And yeah, we did, we did poetry readings and we did like one, one assignment, we did like a slam poetry reading. Those were fun though. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Poetry was never like my strong suit. Same. But I did it because like I was required to. And my junior year, there was this guy who was a senior in the class above me, but I had like two or three classes with him. And he was the guy that, like, every girl English major had a crush on. <laughs> and he, like, pulled me aside after class one day and was like, I really like that one that we workshopped from you. You should read that at my open mic, like, whatever, the next week or whatever. And I was like, geeking. If you say so. So I did it once. And, like, he pulled me aside afterwards. I was like, you did a really good job. Like, you should do this again. And I was just like, okay. So I did it, like, three more times. And then, like, the second time, it just didn't. It did not go well, but I kept doing it. And then yeah. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a rest. <laughs> <laughs> not worth it. But you had to do it because it was, it was the guy. Yes. And he asked you specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It I was, was like, what an honor. It was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's booming too. Not to switch it from comedy, but... They uh they just did the Pulse's cover page was on poetry open mics. Oh, that's how cool. they're booming throughout. I know I well, I only know because I saw it and I was like, oh, this is gonna be about comedy. <laughs> and I opened it, I was like, oh no, not at all. Not at all. But I was like, oh, but good for the poetry scene. Yeah. But inside me I was like, oh, I wish it was about comedy. Oh, so close. <laughs> so you got started in comedy your senior year of college. Yes. Um, do you have any comedians that like inspire you or any other performers that inspire you or is was it just something you just dove into oh gosh now I do but at the time I really just dove into it I hadn't watched really any stand-up I had written a comedy blog for like seven years that I started in high school I got grounded and my the, my punishment was that I had to blog every day interesting it is it's you at the time I was like what but now looking back I'm like that's actually a very creative punishment to where it's like instead of no tv or whatever it's like you need to write every day like be creative every day mm-hmm. um so it's kind of cool i was like maybe i'll use that on my kids um at the time being a teenager i was like Ugh, mom and dad you know <laughs> um so i'd written comedy for years and then getting into stand-up it was different because i hadn't watched stand-up i'd been writing comedy but not watching how it is when performed Um, It's very different. It is. Like, at the time, I mean, I had favorites, but it was all old school. What I'd watched, like, as as a kid, it was, like, Bill Hicks, George Carlin, old school guys from, like, the 70s and 80s. Whereas now, oh, gosh, my inspiration's, like, Ali Wong is my favorite right now. She's so funny. She's, I I switch a lot, but right now, Ali Wong is my favorite. Okay, is she on Netflix? Yes. Okay. She has two specials, both that she did when she was, like, nine months pregnant. Oh, wow. Very pregnant. I Like, she's, like, um, a super cute, small Asian lady, Mm -hmm. which looks even sillier because she's so petite, and she's got, like, you know, nine-month baby (laughs) in her belly, and she's so sassy and energetic. You should check. She's my favorite right now. Um... The last one that I watched was Eliza Scherzinger. Oh, yes. I loved her first special. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of got in trouble. She had tweeted that she was the only uh, female comedian working. Uh, and then a lot of female comedians got upset. Not just stand-ups, but like, I know Tina Fey or a- and Amy Poehler, I think, were like, 
we work very hard too. Like, why would you put other women down? We need to support each other. Yeah. So then I, I didn't, I stayed away from her for a while. And then I watched another special, which was very funny, but I thought it was almost the same as the first one. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like think, repetitive. Yes. Where if I'd seen the second one, I would have thought it was great. Yeah. But having seen them both, I was like, these are so similar. Mm-hmm. I remember I grew up on the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Oh, never seen it, but I know of it. So like Jeff Foxworthy and yes. all of them. And I am I grew up in Atlanta, so Jeff Foxworthy's a Georgia boy. So like <laughs> I related to that. And I remember when we were living in Pennsylvania when I was in high school, he did a tour and he stopped, not in Philly, but in another like smaller city in our area. Yeah. And we went to it as like a family Christmas thing. And it was like 75% the same jokes as was in wow. whatever recent special or whatever he had done. And I was just like, I mean, you're still funny, but like, I've heard all these before. Yeah. And they say like, from what I've heard, I've never recorded a special, but once you record that special, that material is retired. Interesting. Because you're making it now, it's like open to anyone. It's available content to anyone. Okay. So now you have to scrap it because we've all heard it. Gotcha. That's just what I've heard. Okay. So yeah, it's weird that he did the same jokes. It's like, yeah. well, it's kind of like when they say you record an album as a comic, not as a musician, of course. As a comic, they're like, don't tell those jokes. That's kind of you putting them in a little safe. Okay. To just keep. But then you start writing new stuff. Okay. Um, so perfect segue. Um, what's it like writing material for a stand-up show as opposed to like something else? Like you're writing a story, but you're writing a story to be like spoken, not read. So True. can you walk me through the process of like how you write for a show? Okay. Yeah. And I think that's evolved throughout the years. And so not saying this is the best way. I think hopefully if I continue to grow it will evolve yet again. Mm -hmm. But it's like when I started, I would write everything down word for word. Okay. Like textbook, this is the joke. I would write it verbatim and then say it exactly how I wrote it. Which sometimes would go well. But then as I got more into it, I would kind of just um, write the joke. And then once I got on stage, do the joke, but try to add stuff in between in the moment. And then now, really what I do is I'll just think of a premise and I'll write down, like, one word, like, role-playing, right? Okay. And then just be like, okay, this happened. I'm just going to take this idea and go on stage and just try to come up with it in the moment. Okay. Which is harder, but to me, that creates a better joke when it works. Yeah. Instead of, like, something you would read in a book. It's, like, it's not as scripted. Exactly. It's more personal. It looks more in the moment. Even, mm -hmm. like, once I've polished that joke, it looks more in the moment because it started in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it feels more natural, and then it's like you're talking with your audience as opposed to talking at them. Yes, it's kind of like huge you're difference. in on this. This is what happened to me, and they feel like they can relate, and they feel like they were there instead of here's my one liner, which one liners are great. I'm mm -hmm. just that's not my style, right? Uh, one liners. I automatically think of who was it, Mitch Hedberg? Yes, like, he king of one liners. Yes, it's so hard to do though. Yes, and he. I've never seen anyone do it as good as him. Exactly. It's. I, I have maybe two, and they're not that great. You know. <laughs> I remember like the first time I watched him. Like my friend told me about him, and I was like, "How is that funny?" And then I watched it, and I was like, "Okay, I get it." Yeah, his personality adds a lot to it. Also, yeah, and he also had like severe stage fright. The sunglasses. Yes. And that's I've why heard. he wore sunglasses and he always looked down. I've heard that. That's right. 
Because when I first saw him, I was like, oh, is he trying to hide that he's high? Or I, I thought of, that the too. The eyes, you know? But no, it was stage fright. Wow. Um, so, Natasha is the host of Once a Month, which is a all-female, for the most part, comedy show in Chattanooga. True. Um, I've been to it a couple times, and you do a phenomenal job with it. So, let's dive into how that all got started and how you put your shows together. Yeah, um, I'm so proud of that show. Um, you well, should be. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Rose Cox, owner of the Palace Theater, almost two years ago. This month is actually our two-year anniversary of the show. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I'm super excited. She came to me and Grace Holtz two years ago and said, I really want to do an all-female show. I want you guys to host and produce it and book it. Will you do that? So we were like, heck yeah. So it was her idea, totally awesome. And then it's really just blossomed. Like me and Grace hosted together for a year. And then she quit stand-up to pursue theater. So also staying super creative. She's just her. like, theater's more my thing. I like I love stand-up, but this was one chapter. I'm going to move to theater. And then everyone was like, oh, who who will co-host with you now? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Which, that kind of pissed me off. Because it was mm. like, since this is about women in biz, like, if it was a man, would you ask him that? Like, who's going to co-host? Who's going to... I don't know, man. It's like, I can do it on my own. Like, it's yeah. not that I can't do it by myself. So then I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. They're like, oh, really? You're, yes. Like, what? It's, we've <laughs> Why been would doing you this for a year. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't. So then I took over. And then, so February will be the one year also of me doing it by myself. Nice. Yeah. And um, so that's, it's been cool because the year before I started the show, I traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. I had, like, probably a year and a half of just traveling. Like, I remember that was around the time I met Donnie. Okay, Donnie Marsh, yes. And when I met him, it was, like, a week before y'all were leaving to do... Tour. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a fun time. Yeah. He's a friend of another very good friend of mine that they knew each other from Florida or something. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I was doing tours and, like, oh, man, I just feel like I was on the road all the time. I hit, like, 31 cities in, like, 10 months. Good it was Lord. just the most I had, you know. And for me being, at that time, I was only, like, three years in. So that's very new. Mm-hmm. And I was like, You really just, did hit the ground running. Yeah. Like, I just, and I didn't even realize, it was just like, I think this is, what I, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then bookers from other cities were contacting me. And I'm like, of course I'll be there. And then, and then next thing I know, I'm just, like, booked mm-hmm. throughout almost a year. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. So... I had met a lot of comedians, like, just in that year, really. So when the show started, I stopped traveling as much because the show is important. And then I started doing festivals, which will be, you know, a week-long thing in a bigger city, which is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so through that, I can book all these ladies I've met just in the years I've done it. So I try to get ladies from different regions different cities every show um or sometimes it'll just be a whole atlanta invasion that city is full of amazing yes, female comics they so are. i mean it's insane i can't even count how many yeah one of my next questions was going to be how do you find people to be on it yeah that sorry yeah so i feel like you have like an endless supply <laughs> i have so i made a list when it started made a whole list of comics i knew and comic comics that grace knew we had that list and then as the show, like, a year passed, and then had ladies left on the list, but then I made, I was like, okay, I'm going to run out eventually, though, and I don't want that to hit me, like, blindsided. So I made a Facebook post asking my comic friends, like, hey, who do you recommend? And that was, like, 
200 comments. So then I took all those ladies and added them to the list. So now I have like a three-page list of names. I was like that with podcast guests for a while. Oh my gosh, right? I'm like, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know all of these ladies. So a lot of times I went from booking people I knew and was close with to now I book people I've never seen. And I'm like, it's still, it's variety. I trust the comics who like recommended this Mm -hmm. woman. Like, I'm going to do it. It'll be fun. Like everyone who's working hard deserves to travel and be on the show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So as it comes with being an entrepreneur, um, if it were easy, everyone would do it. Um, <laughs> True. So what are some of the challenges that you faced along the way and how did you conquer them? Ooh, that is a good question. As far as comedy, um, when I first started, I got asked a lot of times, like even the first show I was ever booked on, like paid showcase. Like when I started, I was doing open mics, working on writing. When I first got asked to actually be on a paid book showcase, I got asked, and quote unquote, because we need a girl. Oh. And it was like, what? And I didn't think anything of it because I was so excited. And then, like, I started hearing from other female comics, like, complaining about, I'm sick of being asked to be on a show because I'm a girl. And I was like, oh, this is like a problem. I didn't even think of that. And I should have, but I was so excited. And then, as far as I've seen, oh, man, I've seen women get heckled on stage for, like, like catcalled just because they dress nice to perform. So then I've struggled with how should I dress then because I don't want to get catcalled by creepy men. So then I, I used to dress up, and now I feel like I dress down, which is like I want to dress nice as a performer, but I also don't want to be seen as, like, sexualized as a woman. I feel that. And it's upsetting. It's like I, I should dress how I want to dress, mm-hmm. but it also can interfere with my stage time like that shouldn't be something you stress yourself out about exactly exactly so that's been and i know that's not part of the entrepreneur part it's It's just comedy in general it's something that happens yeah and then as far as booking shows when people drop out last minute then i'm scrambling to find a replacement especially a live show where it's like this is that's stressful um Money can get stressful as far as traveling for comedy. You never know how much you're going to make most of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's like I could drive nine hours and get paid $10 or I could drive an hour and get paid 50. Like I never know. Wait, so how does that work? Yeah, it's, it depends on the city. Is it tips? It's, sometimes it's door split. Um, sometimes it's just, uh, a set fee. Like every comic will get the same price no matter what. Uh, some venues will pay the comics and not the showrunner. Okay. It, and then it changes from scene to scene and city to city, state to state. Like, it's all so different. There's no one way to do it. Interesting. So it gets confusing. And, of course, the professionals, they get to a point where people have been doing it for years and know what they're doing more than me. We'll get to a point where they're like, I'm not coming here unless you give me this much. But I'm not at that point yet. Gotcha. I'm still growing, you know, as just booking myself without a manager or anything. Mm-hmm. So I just want to do as much as I can. I'm not at a point to be like, oh, you can have me, but only for this amount of money. <laughs> One day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's the goal. That's the, the ultimate goal. But right now I'm still in that medium of like, okay. I mean, I, I've gotten to the point where I will say no once in a while. It's like, mm-hmm. I really, I just can't. That's it's, a huge step in itself. That, yeah, and I feel good about it, or even just the time on stage, like, because I I probably have a little over an hour, probably like an hour 15, hour 20. Okay. Not that it's all completely solid, but that's like what I feel good about. Okay. So if someone asked me to come do seven minutes in a city that's six hours away, I 
say no. Yeah. I'm like, if I was doing an hour, which I have, which I need to keep practicing, absolutely. But seven minutes for that kind of drive, I can't do it. Yeah, that's not worth it. Yeah, exactly. So I have gotten to a point where I feel comfortable saying no. I used okay. to not say no to anything. Been there. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, 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 whatever you need. And now I'm like, eh, no. I have some authority over it, a mm-hmm. little bit. A tiny grasp. Yeah. But that's that's a big struggle, too. I feel that. Yeah. Um. So the first year, you had Grace with you, yeah. and then you've still got Rose as part of it. Yeah. So what is it like to do something like this when you, you've got, like, partners with you? Like, the importance of having a partner in oh, an endeavor like this. I prefer it, honestly. I prefer it so much more. I know some people are... I guess lone wolves, but like I loved hosting with Grace Mm -hmm. and I miss her. It was more fun. It was more fun to host with her and get to talk about the show after, like from our perspective of the bookers and the Mm -hmm. showrunner and the host, like to have to get to talk to someone who knows exactly what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. in terms of the show. And, and that way what, you can talk about people like, yeah, she was good, or like, nah, let's not have her back. Exactly. Like, stuff like that. Exactly. Or like, man, I wasn't expecting that joke from that. Like, you know, like, that too, even the gossipy stuff where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to tell that to a bunch of people. I, you know, like, I, I just want to gossip with my one little, yeah, my co-host. Um, mm-hmm. And with Rose, it's great because I feel like it's nice to have someone else excited when the show like packs out Mm -hmm. because it means more money for the venue and for bizarre productions Mm -hmm. and for me and it's fun whereas Mm -hmm. and the palace is a small business too exactly so I want we want us both to make money in this and to where you know a friend of mine wouldn't be like so glad you guys made money like not on the same level right as like me and Rose are like this is for fun and to help Chattanooga yep but it's also we have to make a living Mm -hmm. so. I like it much more. I, like, even when I used to travel, I'd always rather travel with someone else. Yeah. Because then it's like, if to me, it's like, if a tree falls in the woods, you know, like, if no one was around, did it make a sound? <laughs> I feel like when I go to a show by myself, and it ends, and then I'm just driving back home alone, I have no one to talk to about, like, hey, how'd I do? Like, so, like, give me an honest opinion. What could I work on? Like, critique me, even. Like, I don't care... But if I'm all by myself, it's just not as, it's not, it's lonely. You get in your own head. Yes. Yeah. But I know some people are born more, I guess, independent thinking. Yeah. I think I'm very independent, but I prefer to have moments like that to share with someone. Yeah. I actually recorded another episode last night with an author, and we were talking about how, like, professional creatives get in our own heads. Yeah. And comedians are creatives. Right, and then you're harder on yourself mm-hmm. the more you dwell on it. You're your own critic. Yes, exactly. Yep. So it's good to get feedback. I think it's super important. Mm-hmm. Constructive, cre- constructive feedback. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not, you know, you sucked. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember talking with Donnie about, like, knowing as a, com- as a performer, like, knowing you did a good job, but also knowing, like, okay, that bombed. Yes. Like knowing which jokes to cut and which ones to keep moving forward with and all yes. that kind of stuff. And I want to say, I think that honestly, I want to say that comes from experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's really like an innate thing in you. Because like when I, like when the first set I ever did, I remember being like, that was okay. I didn't kill it. Mm-hmm. I was like, but that was pretty good. And now I'm like, oh my God, I would never tell any of those jokes. Those are <laughs> so bad. Like, why did I think that was pretty good? <laughs> to where, like, a lot of new comics in the scene, I realize, like, they will do terrible sometimes. I'm not saying they're all terrible, but right. they'll have a terrible set because they're new. 
And then they'll be like, oh, that, that went pretty well. And it's like, no, it didn't. It's oh, really no. bad. But like, I've no self-awareness. Yes. And I, but then I'm like, man, I used to think like that though. So with that, I think it really is just years of experience mm-hmm. where you learn to be like, oh, that, that's what happens when something doesn't go well. Yeah. That joke bombed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I think that I want to say, who knows though? <laughs> I guess it's how cocky you are. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And also like learning to read a room. Yes, that for sure. And like, to know if they're enjoying it or not. Mm -hmm. I see some of the most confident open micers and I'm like, this room is not liking this, but you seem so confident in it. Yeah. Like, that's not reading your room at all. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, one of the things that I really love is like, I like, I love John Mulaney. Oh, He's, he's amazing. He's one of my favorites. He's amazing. And I've gone back And I've watched all of his specials, like, listened to as much as I can find of him. And, like, his earlier specials, he talks about, like, oh, my girlfriend. And then it's, like, my fiancé, my wife, my wife. And it's so funny to me how people can, like, cultivate a following and, like, build this narrative over time. Yeah, that's very true. It's like you've you've watched him grow. Not just as a comedian, but as a person. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I love it. That is cool. You used to be the boyfriend, now you're, like... You know, happily married. Yep. With kids or dogs or whatever. Yeah. That's very cool. And then you feel like you know them. I think yes. that's a good stand-up comedian where they do so, they're so natural on stage mm-hmm. and personal to where you feel like you could sit down and have a conversation with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So shifting gears a little bit, Um. we've touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but comedy in general in Chattanooga, um, as you said, when you first started five years ago, there was only one open mic. It wasn't like a huge thing. Yeah. And now there's, what, like six open mics? Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about how the comedy scene and community here is growing and changing and what that means for a city like Chattanooga. Okay, yeah, it's definitely growing. Um, also, it's growing in the sense of more women. Yes. When I started, it was all men. When I would like go watch... Which is probably why it took me longer to even try it. Because I was like, oh my gosh, it's all, it's all dudes all the time. So so when I started, I was the only female. And then some came in who I think it started before me, but had like not been around in a while. Gotcha. So it was like I was the only regular, like I was there every Wednesday. New stuff every Wednesday. The only like working open micer. Um, and, then, and then other females came on the scene and it, and it grew, grew. And then Grace Holtz came and she was just a beast. And um... And now they're like, oh my gosh, I think there are more women in the open mic scene than I think I've ever seen, I want to say. I think like now, especially with the year 2020, mm-hmm. I want to say that was a lot of people's like resolution to try it. Or just try new things in general. Yeah, because once January hit, I think now, there's one mic, I think there were like, it was seven to nine women wow. total, which is, cr- I mean... It, it shouldn't be crazy, like scenes like New York or Chicago, I'm mm-hmm. sure have a ton of women, mm-hmm. but for Chattanooga, it was so nice to see, like, and to get that perspective, like, we need that. Yes. Because the shows used to be 15 dudes in a row, and it's like, okay, I get it, your penis, I, you know, like, <laughs> sorry. I feel but, that, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, I think it's great, and more mics than ever, even more showcases, Mm-hmm. Like more monthly showcases. Um, it's good. I hope the women stick with it. I hope it's not just a wave, which happens too. And not just female men. And I know this is about female empowerment, but also with like 
the black and the white communities where the mics are mostly white. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we need diversity, not just with women, like in general, like Mm -hmm. with race and, and gender. And yeah, so I think it's growing a lot. And I think it's very good for Chattanooga, especially, gosh, even these open mics. I think Chattanooga needs comedy. Because even some of the open mics are packed like a showcase. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like going to a show you would pay a $10 ticket for. It's like, this is a great A show. You've got a lot of really good comedians in Chattanooga. Really great comics. And it's just an open mic. Yeah. Those are usually like just comedians. We're all trying out our new stuff. We don't laugh at each other because <laughs> we're thinking about our, our own selves. It's very yeah. selfish. Like, how's my set going to go? I don't care about yours. And then yeah, our open mics are packed, like, with actual audience members. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Chattanooga definitely needs comedy. And I don't think it's getting oversaturated. That was a concern in the beginning, adding all these showcases and open mics. It was like, no, because bigger cities, like New York City, is known to be the comedy hub. Mm-hmm. And they have more shows than anybody. So and you, Chicago was second city. Chicago, yes. Like, you can't call it oversaturated just because... We have six. Like, that. there's six in a night in bigger cities. Yeah. I think we need it, and we need as comedians to be able to practice mm-hmm. and grow and get better. Yeah. Um. Are the open mics free for the most part? They're always free. Okay. Alcoholics Not Anonymous, Thursday nights at Barley Tap Room is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that because my boyfriend runs it. <laughs> but that one is always packed. Great venue. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Free Kittens at JJ's Bohemia on Wednesdays. Always great. Free kittens always gets me. Oh, I see, I, I see it come through, and I'm like, kittens! I need to bring the stray cats I feed. Be yes. like, here, here you go. Have have one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or to, like, kitten yoga at Barley. <laughs> I should do... Yeah, just kind of toss them in and run away. That's... I cannot... Real talk. I cannot go to kitten yoga or kitten anything because I know I will come home with one, yeah. and I can neither afford another cat right. because the cat I have now is a little diva princess. <laughs> And she is, like, an only child. Yeah, just spoiled, pampered. Yes, my bank account would be very mad at me if I came home with another animal. Oh, gosh, I just got a self-cleaning or an automatic litter box where it cleans itself. Yes. And I did. I got it and did not realize that to replace it, it's so expensive. Like, and you have to replace it every two weeks. And oh, the things no. are, like, it's $60 for, like, a three-pack. Sorry, this is cat talk. It's okay. <laughs> but I not realized that when I got it. I'm like, oh, man, this was a huge investment. But okay, buckle up. I already got it. I <laughs> yep. tossed out the old one. I never have to touch it. Cleans itself. So it's, it's nice. Oh, my goodness. We, my childhood cat, was very picky about how she drank her water. And she got to a point where she wouldn't drink it out of her bowl. She would only drink it out of my parents' bathtub. (laughs) So we got her one of those, like, circulating water dishes or, like, water fountains or whatever. She wouldn't touch it. (laughs) That was her way to bond with your parents. Apparently, she, like, sniffed it and, like, drank out of it once and then was like, nah, the bathtub's better. (laughs) I prefer my owner's presence to have been here. Yes. They're naked bodies. (laughs) Oh my goodness, cats are so weird. <laughs> um, anyway, getting back on comedy. Um, Palace Theater is home to several really great comedy shows in Chattanooga. Once a month is one of those. Um, what are the other ones that people can go check out? Ooh, um, Chat Talk Tonight with Donnie Marsh. Yes. It's a great show. He puts in so much work into it. It's like a variety show. I mean, he's got a house band. He has guests, sometimes politicians, sometimes 
zookeepers with zoo animals. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. These guests he gets, poets uh, sometimes. And then he has... He has these um, characters that are sometimes acted by either stand-up comedians or local improvisers. Donnie and I, the last time he was on, we had a really interesting conversation about stand-up versus improv. Huh. He he hasn't done improv, has he? I don't think so. He just knows that. As of that, we last talked last April. Okay. So, as of then, he hadn't. I don't know if he has since then. Donnie, you can correct us if you have, but. <laughs> I love them both, but there's a war. They, they say, they're like, oh, stand-up, stand-up comedians and improvisers hate each other. They're, it's two different worlds, man. Like, uh, okay. I, I think <laughs> they're both comedy. Yeah. In different forms of it. But mm-hmm. I, yeah. I like them both. I don't yeah. do improv. I did it. Years ago, I grew up with improv. My mom ran an improv troupe. So That's I love, cool. yeah, I like stand up more. Um, I feel like you have more control with stand up. Yeah, so I like it more. I like to feel in control, you know? <laughs> so, but that's funny. So, Chad Talk Tonight's great. Um, and that he actually just had his show. And then Cutthroat Comedy mm-hmm. is next week. And that's super fun. It's a game show. Have you been to that one? I have not. That one's fun. It's a game show run by Ryan Darling and Ben Dalby. They used to do teams, and it was teams of two competing against each other. Now they do solo, like individuals competing against each other. Still good. I mean, not not as good. Okay. I like. It's great. It's a great show. I'm teasing mm-hmm. them. I do like. <laughs> I do like the team aspect though, which I've told them. But it's super good, and they have a good lineup coming up. And that's fun because they create new games every show. Interesting. And they have like, oh, they do this whole, um, one game it has all these pictures and on it's projected on the screen. So like they do new pictures every show. It's a new guessing game every show and it's audience participation. Heavily. Okay, that's cool. So that one's great because the audience can interact and yell out. And so that one gets rowdy. Oh, and it's always fun because it's, it's probably the wildest one. Okay. But that one's really good. Nice. Um, yeah, that should be it. Those mm-hmm. three, yeah. Um, you were talking about improv. I my mind just automatically goes to like whose line is it anyway? <laughs> oh, so good. And I, I don't know. I think to be a great comedian in general, you should do improv and stand up. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't know if I if I wanted to get on SNL one day, right? Mm-hmm. I would do improv and stand up. And that would help my writing. I just yeah. think, I think to dive into all the arts would help you. But yeah. I understand the argument where it's like, but you're not committing 100% to one of those. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like half-assing them each. Gotcha. Which I get that too. Um, like you're going to, like if you're a basketball player, you're not going to play basketball, football, and golf to be Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Right. Is that, even though that was a horrible example. It's like what Ron Swanson both. said, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I understand both sides. Yeah. To where, like, right now I'm one, I'm whole-assing stand-up. Mm-hmm. But if I were to move to a bigger city, which is the plan, you know, one day, I would do a little bit of everything. Like, why not oh, yeah. just dip my toes in all of it? Why not, right? Yeah, just immerse yourself in all things comedy. Yeah. I'm totally making whole-assing stand-up the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. And it, in a way, like, I, every year I focus on something different. So, like, the first year was just, I was like, I'm just going to get acquainted with stand-up. Mm-hmm. And then the second year I was like, okay, I'm going to polish these jokes and refine. Because the first year I was just writing. I yeah. tried to have something new every week. 
The second year I was like, all right, don't just write, write, write and be as prolific as possible, but try to refine everything to be as polished as possible. Mm -hmm. So where do you, like, you write new material every week. So where do you get your material from? All mine is from real life experiences that, that I write like the tags into. Okay. But it starts, but most of it is always a true story. Okay. And then I'll write the jokes in between the truth. Gotcha. Um, so that, that makes it easier to write because it's true mm-hmm. and harder because it's like, yeah, well, if I had kind of a dull month, I don't really have that much new material. Gotcha. If nothing interesting happened to me. Right. It, this week even. It's like, well, what do I, you know, I'm not going to write about work. I feel that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, and then the third year, you know, I focused on traveling. And then the fourth year, I was like, I need to know the behind the scenes. And that's producing and booking the shows. And I hit my fifth year. And that year, it was more of like how to make money. So I focused on like, okay, I need to learn how to manage my money with this. Heard. (laughs) And then this year, I just hit five years in November, November 26th. So I still now into my sixth year. I haven't decided yet. I'm like, I still am working on what will I focus on? What aspect of stand-up? Mm-hmm. I thought maybe like the social media part, like build a website. But I mean, I could do that immediately and then what, you know. I need, right. It needs to be something that will last me a year that I can constantly work on. Gotcha. But yeah, but as far as writing, it's all true stuff. And some people will be like, well, that's easy because you just wrote about what happened. It's like, yeah, but... Store the premise is what happened. The punchline and all the tags, I had mm-hmm. to write those myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? I gotcha. It'd be easier if I had an example, but I don't. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, One last thing I wanted to touch on before we... I'll have to go get my jar. But um, what advice would you have for an aspiring stand-up comedian? Or improv comedian or any type of performer, right. really? I would say... Get out and perform as much as you can. Like, if there are seven opportunities to get on stage, open mics, go to all seven if you can. Go to as many as you can. Even if you bomb one night and you feel awful, go to the next one. You have to keep going. Um, I just know a lot of people skip mics, and I think the ones who are at every one stay relevant get better. It's like, it's like playing a sport. The more you practice, the better you get as an athlete. It's the same with anything. Like just get out there physically as much as you can mm-hmm. to perform. Cause as far as your writing and all of that, that's all very personal. What anyone can do though is be present. And I would say just be there. That'd be the, that's just the easiest first step that would automatically make you better. Gotcha. Great advice. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, to wrap up this episode, we're going to play with my jar. This looks great. If you are a loyal Nougabelle podcast listener, you know all about the jar. But for new listeners, this is my mason jar filled with colorful pieces of paper and fun little things for us to talk about. Ooh. So we'll each draw a couple and we can answer each other's. Perfect. Okay. All right. So I will start us off. Okay. What is your go-to comfort food? Ooh. Fried cheese. Okay. Like mozzarella sticks or the, you know, the fried cheese balls. Yes. Okay, cheese. Can I just say cheese? Yes. Because then I was going to say queso. <laughs> cheese is like my favorite food, but I, I try to, for the most part, I try to eat pretty healthy. Same. So that's one I'm just like, you know what? I don't, I don't care. I'll just, all the cheese. I can never go vegan because of cheese. 
Oh my gosh, no, I couldn't either. <laughs> cheese is, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, relevant, mine is mac and cheese. Ooh, see, mac and cheese. That, that can't, but that's different, I know. But, but it's still cheese. That one, oh my gosh, yeah. I I'm love work, mac and cheese. I'm working on my queso recipe, so once I get it, I'll send it to you. Oh, heck yeah. Dude, mac and cheese is a good answer. And fried rice, which are two completely different things. But. I know, I, was, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that after the mac and cheese. Mac and cheese and fried rice. Not together, <laughs> but... That's good. Go for it. Okay, I'm going to do it. All right, I got a pink one. All right, one movie or TV show you won't believe I've never seen is... You're like, I wrote this. Why are you talking so (laughs) slow? I know what it says. (laughs) I'm trying to be suspenseful. Uh, The Office. Okay, never. I've seen one episode. Oh, then never. Yeah, that doesn't count, right? (laughs) Man, I only saw the first two seasons... So I'm, but that's still more. Yeah. I loved it too. I just, once it, I don't know, that's all anyone would talk about. Mm -hmm. And it made me kind of not want to watch it. Yeah. That's how I was with Game of Thrones. Oh man. Okay. That's fine. Okay. I've never seen that either. Oh darn it. Okay. Well, (laughs) never seen Game of Thrones. Ooh. Does, uh, porn count? I've never, (laughs) I've never seen that and no one ever believes me. And I'm like, I just, uh, nothing against, just, I just never have. That's, I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> it's like a little TV show. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> when my boyfriend and I started dating, I think like we'd been talking for like two weeks and he asked me, do you watch Game of Thrones? And I said no. And he was like, well, that just cut out like half of our conversations. And oh my gosh. Like, well, good. Figure like, something else. Get creative. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, please, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> All right. Let's go. This orange one that's hiding from me. Nice. What are some of your goals for 2020? Ooh, 2020. Okay, okay. Trying to, well, I just set this goal. Trying to get up earlier. I became nocturnal, I feel like, a few months Mm -hmm. ago because I work nights. Oh, okay. And I'll work till sometimes 12, 1 a.m. Where do you work? Uh, Big River Girl downtown. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm a cocktail server, so I'll be in the bar. Okay. So I work nights, so I'll be there late. By the time I get home, I'm so excited to be home. I have all this energy. Or I'll get off work and have to immediately go to a mic. Gotcha. And then after the mic, all these comics are my friends, mm-hmm. so then we'll end up staying out. And then I'll get home, and then get energy from being home. You know when you get home from work, and you're like, oh, I'm a little more awake again, because yeah. I have me time. And I'm not in an office. Yes, exactly. So it's like... I got into this habit of just, like, waking up at 3 and staying up to, like, 7. Yeah. So my hour, my, like, you know, other people's daytime was my night. I mean, it Mm -hmm. totally flipped. So the past two days I've set an alarm. I, like, just started this. It's, like, only two days. You're like, okay, (laughs) we'll see if that works out. Set an alarm for 10 a.m. and I got up at 10 and then got out of the house. So I made sure I didn't go back to sleep. And my boyfriend and I went on a hike. Nice. So Where'd we you go? got outside. We went to um Raccoon Mountain. I haven't been there yet. Okay, I've never been. <clears throat> That's where we went, and we couldn't go today because it was all rainy. Yeah. But yesterday was actually very nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to just not be up that late. I feel that. Yeah. I am blessed with the curse of being a morning person. Ah, oh, I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> so like I my work hours are eight forty five to six. So I get up. Between like five forty five and six, 
which is wow. horrifying. It's still like dark out. It's still dark. For half the year, I guess. Basically. Yeah. Um, but I get up and I use that time to like edit a podcast episode or work on my blog or like email people for however many side hustles I'm working on. Yeah. So I make it count, but since I've been up that early, by the time I get home from work at like 6.15 or whatever, I'm mentally dead just conked out yeah even by like 4 30 at work i'm struggling hard yeah that makes sense i've never been a morning person so i almost thought you know what screw it i'm just gonna keep these hours because mm-hmm. i've ne- even when i had to get up at 5 30 f- to go to high school because it was like 45 minutes away yeah and in high school it was very important to spend an hour getting ready i don't yes. do that now <laughs> but then i did at 16 you know oh yeah my morning routine now is like 10 minutes <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh, I don't care at all now. I'm just like, Ugh, okay, I'll take a hair vitamin to make my hair grow. Yep. And then I'll just like tie it in a... Like, I don't even do anything, dude. Like, why am yep. I taking this vitamin? I don't yep. even do anything with my hair. Same. <laughs> but, <clears throat> and my parents always told me like, you'll get used to it, you'll get used to it. Never did. Nope. Like, maybe I'm just naturally nocturnal, I don't know. We'll yeah. S- but then I feel lazy when I wake up at 3 mm-hmm. p.m. I'm like, Ugh, I feel gross. Like, I wasted the day. Yeah. So. Okay, I'll draw one for you. Go for it. This blue guy is... Calling my name. Okay. My <laughs> fingers are too short. Ah, I got it. All right. Name something you think is overrated. Chipotle. I don't know if I've ever been. But people talk about it. Mm-hmm. Do you, mm, is that, do you go through a line and pick your, as yeah, you go? Yeah, it's like Moe's or okay. like any other. Moe's I've been to. Yeah. So it's, they built one in my college, they opened one in my college town like, towards the end of my freshman year. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever went. And I went to college in Virginia. So everyone was talking about, like, Chipotle this, Chipotle. Oh, my gosh, we're getting a Chipotle. So they, like, hyped it up for me. And I was so excited to go. And I was like, okay, this is, like, cool. But, like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not that great. It's not that great. And I I must be allergic or something to MSG. Oh, gosh. Because every time I go to Chipotle or what's the other one? Cadoba? Yeah, oh, yeah. I remember that one. Only I, in Nashville. I get one. sick. Weird. And I don't know if it's salt or MSG or what it is, but uh, Chipotle and Cadoba make me sick. Because they're both similar. Yeah. Yeah. But like Moe's I don't have a problem with. Dos Bros I don't have a problem with. Um, California Tortilla that they just opened in Hickson I don't have a problem with. I say yeah. just it opened in October. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't I don't get Chipotle. That's a good one. That's a good one. And also guac is extra there, and guac should never be extra. It's part of it. Everyone wants guac. Exactly. Like I hate. Why is the salsa free, and not guac and not queso at like a Mexican restaurant? Yes, queso always. Yeah, like this did not take that much to make. No, there's no way. Okay, something that's overrated. I'm trying to think, like, there's so many things, I think. Like, movies, actors. Um, So, this is going to sound so petty. I got one, though. A lot of my male friends say that the most beautiful woman in the world is Scarlett Johansson. Okay. I think she's overrated. She's a great actress, but mm-hmm. I think that is overrated. I think she's very pretty. Mm-hmm. But it's just of all the women? Yeah. That one, I'm like, really? Well, I don't know. I just think... That's a horrible one to choose a woman when this is about <laughs> powerful women. I'm so sorry. But, 
Like, I can intend right now. No, I get it. I get it. No, I love, I love her as Black Widow. I cannot yeah. wait for the Black Widow movie. Yeah, Mirror Story was great. I love her as an actress. Yes. But I've heard so many dudes like, she's the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, I, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's weird for me to be like, these are the standards. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there are some, like, guy celebrities that I could say that about. Like, a friend of mine is obsessed with the guys from Florida Georgia Line. Oh, I haven't, I don't know. They're a, like, pop country, bro country, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, and there's one of them that I'm like, okay, I can see that. And the other one, I'm like, really? Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm like that with Jason Momoa, to make it even. Okay. A lot of women, and men, I'm like, <laughs> he's too big. I feel like he looks scary. I feel like he would yes. crush me. I don't think that's sexy. Did you see his Super Bowl commercial? No. Okay, I, it was for, like, a mortgage. I think it was for Rocket Mortgage or something. But he comes in and he's talking about, like, I love being able to go home because I I feel comfortable in my skin and I can relax and just be myself. But he's, like, peeling off parts of his body. He, like, peels off his muscles and peels off his, like, six-pack and, like, takes out his hair. And he's underneath it. He's this, like bald, lanky, like, super skinny, scrawny guy. Oh, I saw that picture in a meme. It's and I was so like, what creepy. is this? It's so creepy. I know, that sounds creepier than me just seeing the still shot of him. But I saw someone compare, and I was like, yeah. who did this CGI? Yeah. It was for the it commercial. Was, okay. Yeah, it was for a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, man. I'm glad I missed that. Yeah. I work in marketing. That's the only reason I watch Super Bowl is for the commercials. Right? I don't give a shit about the two teams who are playing, but I just <laughs> want to watch the commercials. But yeah, Jason Momoa. Yeah, I don't get it either. Everyone was like swooning over him in Aquaman or whatever Yeah. Was. And that movie was very cheesy to me. I didn't see it. Oh my gosh. Because Every line's like, oh, I can't even think of one they were all so bad it was like was this written in the 80s you know like the tropes of like these are my lines yeah like, like nobody leaves baby in the corner it'd oh, be like yeah. that like oh. what jason what are you doing the only person who can speak that line is patrick Swayze. yeah like it, it just <laughs> oh man okay let's do one more each okay all right let's go for a green one we don't have a green one yet nice one new place i would love to visit in 2020 Ooh, if I could like choose anywhere or like a realistic goal. Anywhere. Okay, I've always wanted to go to Italy. Yes. I want to ride on a gondola. Yes. Um, Italian food's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vespa, I want to ride a Vespa. Yep. In uh, like, you know, Rome or somewhere. Do you remember the Lizzie McGuire movie? Yes! <laughs> I want Gordo to be there. <laughs> and some, like, fake pop star. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, perfect. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It was for a while, but it's definitely on Disney+. Plus. Oh, man. I need to watch it again. So I've, I've been re-watching Lizzie McGuire. And, like, that show was on when I was in, like, late elementary, early middle school. Yeah. And it's set in middle school. Like, the two seasons follow Lizzie, Miranda, and Gordo through 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Yeah. And I remember watching it as, like, a 10, 11, 12-year-old and thinking, like, oh, my gosh, like, what struggles, what problems? And I watch it as a 28-year-old, and I'm just like, really? You're concerned about that? Yeah, yeah. One of the, okay, Miranda was her friend, right? Yeah. A, a boy at my dance class who I knew since I was, like, a kid, mm -hmm. 
he and her started dating like during the show. The actress? Yes. Oh my god. Lizzie McGuire was like like a hit though. And it yeah. was like, Chris is dating Miranda. He like joined some band called Jump Five. Yes, I remember them. Yes! <laughs> he was at my he went to my dance studio that I, I danced there for nine years and he was like above me. He was in a nice Oh dance my gosh, class. spin it around. <laughs> yeah, he, this Chris, he was in Jump Five. I know him I mean I don't know him now, but I knew him then. <laughs> I'm so oh glad gosh. you know what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, I remember that. <laughs> so yeah, they were on Disney Channel. Oh my gosh. But yeah, he lived in Nashville, I guess. He flew yeah. out to LA to, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's my closest, what is it, eight degrees, six degrees of separation? Something like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Wait, where would you go? Um, so sorry. I got caught up with Lizzie McGuire. I thought the question was that's about okay. that. <laughs> that's okay. I could talk about Lizzie McGuire too. <laughs> um, domestically, I went to Colorado in January for work. Yeah. And I went to Denver for the client. And Denver was like, eh. I was mm. like, meh about it. Never been. But I have a very good friend who lives in Fort Collins. And I stayed an extra day to visit her. Fort Collins is dope. So, loved going there. Um, We did, like, half a day in Boulder. So, I would go back and spend more time in, like, Boulder and, like, smaller cities that are more, like, Chattanooga-sized. Yeah. Um, Internationally, Salzburg, Austria. Okay. For The Sound of Music. Oh, from just the movie? Heck yeah. I was in that play when I was a kid. Oh, my gosh. It was Marta Von Trapp. Second from youngest. Yep. Youngest is Gretel. She's the cute one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Heck <laughs> I was, yeah. I was going to say, were you Weasel? No, I went right the... Pr- no, I was too young. I was more... Not a huge role. Gotcha. Not, not my proudest on the theater. Okay. Gotcha. But it was fun. Sound of Music is my favorite movie of all time. What? Nah, it's so, it's so sad that Weasel's boyfriend... Yeah. Oh, man. It's heartbreaking. It's mm-hmm. a great movie. Um, my mom grew up watching that movie, so she introduced me to it when I was a kid for the music and the songs and all that kind of stuff. And the older I got, the more I realized all the historical significance and all the, like, serious stuff that happens. And I watch it now, and I've seen the movie a thousand times. I know what happens, but the very end, when they're hiding from Rolf and all his, like, Nazi people, I just, like, no, don't. It's intense. It gets mm-hmm. way more. Yeah. Gosh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yes. All right, finish this off. Okay, okay. I'm going to choose a green one again. What was your dream job as a child? Television meteorologist. Oh, okay. So are they the ones on TV yeah. or behind this? Okay. So that's like the fancy way to say weather woman, mm-hmm. right? Wow, okay. My dad's a TV news reporter. Okay. And people would, would, you know, always recognize him. He's been a Nashville reporter for like, I think it's over 20 years. Yeah. But people would always be like, hey, you're the weatherman. Yeah. (laughs) And he would never correct them and he'd be like, I don't do the weather. He was like, it's very different. And he named the weather meteorologist at the time, like, they do the weather. But he wouldn't tell Mm -hmm. him. He'd just vent us. Like, oh, I'm not actually the weatherman. That's fine. Yeah. Well, that's cool. What about you? as a child um all throughout all childhood i wanted to be an actress okay but my the first that's not fun though the first thing i wanted to be was like um i wanted to paint houses okay i have no idea why i did that on several mission trips 
Oh, really? Well, yeah. that was my dream job. Now I'm jealous. <laughs> house painter. Just wanted to, exactly, just paint some houses. I don't... Fun colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I remember the first mission trip I did, we went to Pittsburgh, and we painted this house like... I went there last year. Like, fire engine red. Wow. We painted this house like fire engine red. And then the one I did the year after that was to a Native American reservation in Montana. Wow. And we painted this house. God, what color was it? It was something like really unusual. I wonder what... Like bubblegum pink or something? Oh or my like gosh. mauve or something really weird? There's that pink house in Chattanooga. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I can't even say it. I just remember, oh, I see it. So from time to time. Yeah. Hot, like bubblegum pink. Yeah. Not hot pink, but yeah. There used to be one on Hicks and Pike, like a quarter mile past Tremont. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. Is it gone? It, the house, well, obviously the house is still there, but yeah. they painted it <gasps> since then. So That's what I'm thinking of because it was by Tremont. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word. It's not bubblegum pink anymore. It's like yellow or green, I think now. Oh, that's upsetting. Yeah. Not as fun. Let's go paint it. Yes. You have experience. <laughs> I've always wanted to do it. <laughs> Just like show up, be like, hope you don't mind. Brick house, fire engine red. <laughs> Maybe it's an Airbnb and they really won't care. <laughs> Okay, we are going to wrap up there. It has been an absolute pleasure Thank talking you with you. Thank you for having me. Um, lastly, before we sign off, um, where can people follow you and Once a Month on the internet to learn more and stay up to date? Perfect. Facebook at Once a Month. Instagram at Once a Month Comedy. And Instagram at Natasha Farrier. Facebook, Natasha Farrier. Awesome. I will plug all the things in the show notes. And when does Once a Month happen? Ooh, last Saturday of every month. With a couple exceptions twice a year, so make sure you just stay up to date on the internet. Okay. So our next show will be February 29th. It's leap day. Ooh. Of the leap year. Yes. A lot of people have been like, that's not a real date. I'm like, it's leap year. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. February 29th. Easy to remember. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> and then I guess in March, it'll be the last Saturday of March. That's one that's it's on a Friday. But oh. everything else is last Saturday okay. of the month. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll just plug it on the show notes and people, people are adults. They can figure it out themselves. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much thank for joining you, me. This has been an absolute pleasure. This has been another wonderful episode of the Nougabelle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would very much love if you left a review on whatever platform or service you listen on. Um, also, I need new questions for the jar. So if you have ideas, hit me up on Instagram at the Bell and send me your ideas. Um, thanks so much for listening to this episode and I'll catch y'all on the next one.